I am Danika. And I am Myra. And this is the Black Women Healing Podcast. A space to discuss mental wellness. A space to dive into soul care and vulnerability. Here, we will support you on your journey as you focus on your healing. While also giving you the work along the way. Welcome to Black Women Healing Podcast. Hey, y'all. I am here to announce that our book, Let's Heal, a workbook designed for Black women with various modalities by your co-host, Danika and Myra, is now at a storefront. And so the storefront is Urbana Goods. It's a community store that brings an upgraded experience of connecting with the community uh, with small crafting gatherings and workshops and supporting other local businesses by housing and selling their merchandise, such as us. And they even sell some of your typical items from the local convenience store. Like y'all, I literally bought some body butter, hair products, and a cute purse all from this store, just to give you a little example. So when you have some time, check out Urbana Goods. It's located in Guardina, California. The actual address is 1756 West El Segundo, Guardina, California, 90249. You can put it in your GPS, whatever you need to do, but go ahead and make your way there and check us out. Hey y'all, we're back with another episode of Black Women Healing Podcast. Um, and as always, we have a special guest, but before we get started, if you all have been listening, at least this, this past year, uh, we've been starting with a random quote by a black woman to kind of facilitate a conversation between the guests and ourselves. And so, um, let's do this one. Okay. So this is by Jan Vincent and I'm hoping I'm going to say her name right. Cause she don't play by her name either. So <laughs> it says it's time for you to move realizing that the thing you are seeking is also seeking you so i'm gonna repeat it again it's time for you to move realizing that the thing you are seeking is also seeking you so myra when you hear this quote what what is coming up for you what are you thinking about it sounds like to me what i tell my clients when you realize a pattern that you have or a change that needs to be made in your life it's up to you to make that change and if you decide to sit in it nothing's going to come from it and that's literally what it sounds like she's saying which it sounds like it's the theme of most of her books and what she does <laughs> literally that quote right there love it yeah uh what about you Janine what are you thinking of when you hear this quote by Yala so the first thing I thought of was just relationship stuff was like, I need to get to the next level because he's waiting for me on the other side, but that's my own personal business. But on the, the business side is elevating to the next level is that they're waiting for you at the top. They're waiting for you at that next level that you're looking to elevate. So it's time to prune and it's time to move up because all the other things that you want are waiting for you up there. So let's get to it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's like in that first part when it says, if it's time for you to move, um because I'm thinking of like the whole like what's for you is for you type of thing that's what it also sounds like but in her quote it's almost like she's saying what's for you is for you but if you don't move it's gonna take a long time for it to come to you that's right yeah yeah absolutely okay and so Mari you know I love Ayama so (laughs) it's good we had a good quote from her already um but so let's go ahead and introduce our guest Um, So investing in your mental health is the ultimate act of self-love. The melanated therapist, Janine Gordon, LCSW, a clinician, coach, curator, and advocate surrounding mental health in our minority communities. Janine is about healing unapologetically and taking your power back. 
Janine is passionate about generational trauma, healing the wounded inner child, and breaking cycles to heal our future generations. Her passion for mental health not only stems from her own journey, her own healing journey, and helping to advocate for those around her, but also the necessity, the necessity, I'm sorry, to normalize the human emotional experience and initiating conversations that are often taboo in many families and cultures. So as you all can hear already, she's she's bringing she's bringing us the heat, right? Yeah. Um, so let's start with giving a brief synopsis of your reason of, of becoming a licensed clinical social worker. Yes, thank you. Thank you guys first for having me on here. So I'm really happy to be able to not only have this conversation, but use this platform for us to begin to have these conversations. So a brief synopsis of what uh, kind of pushed me into being a licensed clinical social worker. One is for the culture because it's necessary, it's needed for the obvious reasons, um, but also for my own legacy and for my family. One of the quotes that I talked about as far as healing ourselves and, and kind of um, taking our power back is changing the ones that come after us because we're now living from the ones that came before us. So being that voice, uh, normalizing the human emotional experience, like you guys had mentioned there. Um, but I wasn't one of those people who kind of knew what I wanted to be when I grew up because most of my existence like especially in childhood was just getting out of the house because I had so much stuff going on and I didn't really know so once I did work on my own healing journey and I said like this really feels good to actually kind of change or address the stuff that was going on with me I recognized that everybody deserves to feel like this so that was kind of the inspiration to get me to this point yeah and where are you located and are you accepting clients <laughs> Yes, I'm in California. And yes, I am accepting. I do do still do clinical work out of California. But I also have um, a coaching that I do accept um, worldwide. Oh, can you tell us the difference between your therapy and your coaching? So that way, if the, the listeners are interested, they can check you out. Absolutely. So if you are in the state of California and looking to go the clinical route, if you actually want to work on the therapeutic aspect, which means meeting, having a full assessment, really understanding and diagnosing your mental health and working on the coping and really starting to change some of those behaviors, that, that would be the therapy route. If you are outside of California or within, across the world, wherever, and the coaching is specific to the niche of the generational trauma, the inner child of the past pain. So what my coaching business focuses on is you're stuck in this one piece, this one part in your life. Like you, you recognize patterns that are continuing. You're recognizing the relationships and you're recognizing there's certain resentments, things that you're not being able to push past that's holding you back. And you really want to understand and, and process that. And also build community with a coaching community and other women that are like-minded, then that would be the route we go on the coaching. Ah, dope. So if y'all heard that, be sure to check her out. Come on, y'all. Um, so I'm curious, what are some societal, economic, and familial issues that you feel are tied to generational trauma? Okay. We only have a short amount of time, right, for this. So <laughs> um, I think you know, when I, when I hear the word generational trauma, we kind of automatically think of either ancestral or family stuff. Like, I think that's the first word. But when we talk about the societal, economics, even just, and the family stuff, you think of historical, you think about the ones that came before us, but also the things that they had to go through, the systemic stuff, the racism, um, the oppression, poverty, slavery, marginalization, all of those things that has now fostered fear, anger, the stigma, um, access to information. We were not, I'm not going to say we, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I was not raised 
to know anything about mental health or what emotions should look like, or you couldn't question family. You do as you say, not as you're told. And you're, you're raised in this environment where you're kind of conditioned to mistrust the world and other people. And so that carries on throughout all of our generations because of what has happened to us um, historically. And I think that our existence, pure existence is traumatic for us, for many of us in, in all minority communities, because all of our minority communities have um, a very traumatic historical um, line. So I think just our existence has been traumatic for us, just trying to navigate the world as a black woman, a black man, and you know, all, all our different minorities. And I think also what's really is, and one of the things I like to focus on in the work is culturally. We have um, held tight culturally, we kind of protect our own, but we've also kind of harbored some really harmful narratives mm. culturally. And where we think it's a flex or we think it's like, I'm strong, I'm this, but there's certain things that also hold us back. For instance, like, you know, I don't need anyone or this is just how I was raised or do as I say. So I think there's so many layers to those factors and, and trying to kind of dispel those is, is, is in some of the work that I, I do. Yeah. Where should one start when it comes to working towards generational trauma? Curiosity definitely is the first thing. Get curious and not about the outside, it's the internal. Okay. Um, kind of looking at your own relationship patterns. Are you noticing like, why is it every time I'm in the same type of relationship or the same themes keep coming up with your family, your love relationships, whatever. Um, patterns, looking at your moods, how you respond into the world. Are you angry? Is there resentment, the silence, the secrets? Um, and then the residual effects. What is that What is that doing to you? Are you noticing depression, anxiety, um, substance use, the things like what is, what, how has this turned you into a person and the behaviors currently now? And be accountable. We can, we can make all the excuses in the world. No, that's what my mama said. Or she raised me this way or that. And Mm -hmm. We have to take accountability because we are not responsible for the pain, but we are responsible for the healing. So the more we continue to say, well, that was just how my mama did it or daddy did it or that, that's what keeps us stuck in the cycle. And I firmly believe we all deserve grace to go through life with some sort of grace and not to have to measure our amount of strength by the amount of trauma that we've been through. Well, I haven't been through all of these things, so I got it. But we shouldn't have to have that as our measuring system. I'm wondering your thoughts on, let's say, if you're doing this work, right? Like you're working on the generational trauma and let's say you have a brother or a sister who they kind of trigger you back. Like yeah. you're noticing that you're making this progress and you're noticing like, okay, these are some of the patterns I have that I'm working towards. Yeah. But whenever I'm around them, it's like they just set me back, right? Yeah. And then let's say maybe you have a conversation with them and they apologize, they say they'll change. They change for a little bit and then they come back and then mm -hmm. it happens again. They yep. say they'll change, they apologize. So now you're like, okay, it's been twice. I think they'll make a change. I've worked on myself. And let's just say you have like a family barbecue and they just set How do you navigate that? Because this is something that's on my mind where I'm yeah. like, you make me become a different person. Like, it's like I'm Myra and then I'm like, you know, Amy, right? Like you set me off and now I'm Amy. Yeah. The, the different person because I've done the work right in those instances what do you do because then I notice like with friends or even like with myself I beat myself up because it's like I've done all this work but then when I'm with you you set me back and now I'm like stuck in this loop of did I really do the work mm. 
yeah your imposter syndrome kind of sets in you kind yeah. of yeah you check in with yourself like did I do all this damn stuff for nothing first of all Myra you in my house because you just described a lot of my functions that's <laughs> so, all I was asking you I'm just saying I, you. I see some help news <laughs> because I have the awareness but <laughs> right we I, got, I got a therapy side yeah right part is where I'm like oh ah oh yeah you know that that's a really good question because I think that once you start to begin that journey in the healing journey family is going to be the first one that comes for you and you what we already know the importance of boundaries we already know the importance of asserting ourselves and staying like you know this is what I will accept and will not but family tends to be the first ones to judge you when you start to break cycles and that's how you know because it's oppositional and so the problem is because they're still stuck in that toxic cycle they're still stuck in that broken cycle the, the lens that they're viewing it is either betrayal or who do you think you are or you're telling family business or all of these different narratives there's nothing that you can say or have not said like you're waiting for that one thing if I say this they'll get it they're not going to get it until when you ask me about like where do we start until they become accountable first mm. so I've had to make the decision personally that not all family not all oh I'm sorry not all skin folk is kin folk so mm. because we are related or because this doesn't mean that I have to continue to allow the behaviors and so you have to either you know you put up the sign or you have to either put some space between that relationship or just say it how it is and, you know, deal with the, the uh, aftermath, but we're not responsible for how they respond to the boundary because you have to continue to command that respect for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think frustration comes like when I'm thinking about like clients, friends and family, because yeah. I think we are kind of having like the same situation. The frustration kind of comes when it's like, we have this conversation, you say you understand and then maybe some time will pass. Let's say maybe it'll be like a few weeks, six months. Sure. Let's say sometimes it'll maybe be two years, like you're good. And then it's like, you do the same things where it's like, why do I have to have the same conversations with you? And how do I honor my boundaries with you when I don't know when you're going to revert back to, you know, who you say you're not anymore, mm -hmm. right? Like, that's kind of like where I feel like I get stuck sometimes because you just don't know when it's going to happen. And then you get tired of checking people over and over. Right. Over. <laughs> that part. And then I think that that's when you decide, why do I have to keep checking you? Yeah. And so you don't always have to say something and you have to decide. And I think that's that part of what, what fear is surrounding that. Like when we talk about, when I do the work, especially with the inner child, is this the part of self-abandonment? Like, what am I sacrificing to myself to keep this relationship? But it really isn't fulfilling me because it's stressful. I don't trust you. And I'm on edge because I don't know when you're going to flip-flop. Yeah. And so, but why do I keep engaging this? Family or not, part of it could be obligation because you're family. I feel like I have to do that. Or what fear is under that? And that's where we also, in the coaching stuff that I do, we uncover you know, that subconscious part, like, what is the fear? Are you fear of that bad? Are you fear of this person leaving you? Are you fear of, you know, the not acceptance? So it, it's always deeper. It's not surface level. So I think in those instances, stopping and being accountable for what, what really is, why do I keep going back and forth? This is yeah. family. I told him a hundred times what's underneath all this me yeah yeah it's making me really think about the conversations I've been having with friends and family of 
I feel like in the black community specifically, yeah. we do this thing where like as a child, you're told like, we're Oof. family, we stick together. Oof. That's your brother, that's your sister. Oof. No matter if they like steal from you, if they hurt you, yes. that's your sibling, that's this person, that's this person, right? And like, even I'm thinking about like my my mom, when I'll tell her certain things about family members, she'll say, but that's this person, that's that person. I'll be like, but they cursed you out. They <laughs> they stole from you. That's okay. That's family. Right. I'm like, did you right. realize what you just said? And then she'll call me back and be like, wait, that didn't make no sense that I said that. But that's still such a, and I'm like, no, yeah. like you're really not getting it. Why do we have to feel like, just because we're related to someone that we owe them this thing where you can have friends that treat you better than your family. That part. That part. And I, that's the hardest thing. And I, and one of the things that, um, I mean, I, like you said, I was told the same thing. Well, that's your brother. That's your uncle. That's your cousin. It's like, but why do I have to continue to allow them to hurt me? And so, you know, I had to separate myself from a lot of family. I even had um, very, strained relationships with my parents because I grew up with just a lot of resentment and anger because you were told these things you know the uncle that you know don't go in the room we leave him in, locked up in the corner in the house and like we all had some some of that in our family and I just grew up like but why uh -huh. but because they had to go through the pain because that's what they were taught we had to too but they're not equipped with the know-how right no one is telling them tell us how that uncle or that cousin really makes you feel let yeah. me protect you you know they didn't know so there's this anger and resentment but there's also this not know yes. so us is asserting the boundary saying i don't want to be at the family function if uncle so-and-so is going to be there and then maybe others will follow suit well you know what janine has not showing up i wonder why and maybe they'll check in with you can you just i'm curious you yeah. have to be that sometimes you have to be the catalyst you're going to be the scapegoat. You're going to be the one that, oh, she thinks she, all of those things are going to just be there anyway, mm -hmm. but I got to take care of me because unfortunately I didn't have that option when I was younger or, you know, whatever. So that's the unapologetic part is I know I'm going to piss people off. I mm -hmm. know you're going to feel a way. Mm -hmm. I have to care more about me at this moment than anything else. So it is what it is. Now your group makes sense. I get why you did it. Because you're realizing that there are these group of people who might be seen as like the scapegoat or the outside person, and they're going to need people to support them and come together. Oh, you're so smart. <laughs> you saw that circular. I brought it back. Yeah, because that's like you were saying. I was like, so what are these people supposed to do? They're going to be on their own. And then, they all, oh, you're so smart. I, like I feel I tried. Because then they can all have these, like right now, yeah. us three venting, that Absolutely. venting session, because they can't go back to their families and say the same thing. They're like, oh, I just cussed my mom out before I came in this session. Like, uh -huh. it, it's real. It's genius. It's real, because you can't go to everybody and say that I don't like such and such without them saying, but why? That's your grandma, that's it. But you can come to a safe space and say, I hate my siblings. <laughs> you know, whatever the, yeah. their truth is, yeah. you know, we have to create this these safe spaces for us to to normalize otherwise we stay stuck and that's just what has been for us for for years yeah have you read set boundaries find peace by nedra webb mm, nedra nedra lives in my brain rent free so i should read it it's good because yes. my clients have been like there's a workbook that goes with it but i'm scared to open up the workbook so if you buy it then and i'm like i'm scared too i don't want to open up that workbook what's nedra it called again set boundaries find peace set boundaries found find peace okay mm -hmm specifically with family because mm, Nedra, yes she lives in my mind rent free 
Okay, I have to check it out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, since we already talking about books, <laughs> um, like what books could or should one use to learn more about generational trauma and your personal opinion? Yeah, it's been, there's a couple books. I haven't read these in, in a little bit, but the first one that sticks to me is called My Grandmother's Hands. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Yeah, you familiar with that one? Racialized Trauma mm-hmm. and the, the Mending mm-hmm. Hearts. Um, he's also, uh, Resma Menachem, he's a therapist. A, a, he's heavy into um, like social justice and advocacy and stuff like that. But it's really about the healing of the body, going through this, the trauma mm-hmm. and the, the somatic healing about what that does to us biologically because a lot of people we don't recognize that um as well as the post-traumatic slave syndrome which is one of my favorites by Mm -hmm. dr joy degroy um and that's where i think the whole existence guilt comes from is that just existing as a black woman comes with just trauma just being born because of our lineage and and what's come before us so understanding that also i'm gonna go there real quick with y'all that you know the mental health is very much colonized and designed with diagnosis and and symptoms based upon our traumatic experiences Mm. so um you know one of the reasons why i still do the clinical work and specifically um like in our in the community is to kind of break down those barriers as far as like you know a black male is coming in feeling a certain way he's not an angry black man it's it's kind of what society has built him into but post-traumatic slave um, syndrome is a great book to help kind of understand that narrative. And then um, PTSD, perseverance through dysfunctional, through severe dysfunction, which is about breaking the curses intergenerationally by Reggie Ford. And he's going through his own experience too. So those are three great books. Yes. Thank you. I have to ask you a question. Mm -hmm. So you read My Grandmother's Hands. Yes, gosh, that one. Have you read The Body Keeps the Score? Oh, the body keeps score. Can we throw away the body keeps the score and just read my grandmother's hands? Because yes, people yes. never talk about that one. I haven't. I have never heard of my grandmother's hands. Actually, I feel like my grandmother's hands is made for the black experience. Yes, either digest and understand. Whereas yes. the body keeps the score, it feels nasty for me to read. I don't want to read that. Even in grad school, I lied and said I read. I was not reading that book <laughs> because it feels like you're you're exposing me to trauma that I don't need to have. Yeah, like let's really have this conversation. And my grandmother's hands, it, it it's easier to digest. Yeah, there's some hard parts but it feels more comforting whereas the body keeps the score was just like i'm just gonna have read about all these different traumas and everything no like yeah. and i was even reading it right. like, why are we suggesting that to clients like it don't make sense to suggest that and i never do because i can't read it let's address yeah. my grandmother's hands yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree with that and i think that we have to be subjective especially not only where we come from but the people that we serve and the body keeps score was introduced in school to us because you know school they don't really teach us they can give you the black and whites but you really learn being out in the field and i don't think that that's going to prepare anyone for the actual work that we do because yeah. i need to be culturally competent first i need to recognize first who am i serving and i need to walk through the experiences and so i know that people when they see me walk into the room you have a level of comfort when somebody looks like you and i don't have to spend my first five sessions talking about the black brown experiences that i see you and it's like oh, I get it. exactly 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you so much for like giving us some some books to start <laughs> off with. Thank you. Um, and, you know, acknowledging the differences in our cultural aspects and like how we mm-hmm. interpret these books, too, because that's really what it comes down to. Um, but so you and Myra, as Myra was asking these questions, <laughs> um, it was kind of like, does it ever end type of thing? And so in your personal opinion, do you think that we ever get to a point where generational trauma does not impact us? Is there ever a point that you think we get to? I'm be honest. Um, I think that question is even triggering because it's, I think, more of the frustration. And I'm going to be very honest. I'd like to have hope that it's never going to be a factor. I mean, I think that's the, the PC way. But I think that unless this world society changes, because we have so far to go when it comes to just honoring the space for individuals, as long as those systemic disparities, the oppression, the closed-mindedness, the exclusive narratives of exist, the world itself is going to continue to be traumatizing. So I think that the work needs to be done in the homes, and we are acknowledging that we need to make these changes. For instance, like Myra was saying, like going to that one cousin that pisses us off and, and making the changes, um, and, and empowering ourselves, saying, I can't change the world, but I can change how I respond to it and what I'm going to accept. So I have hope that you know, through especially like podcasts like you women have and these platforms that were starting to spark the curiosity and for people being like, I can't change the world, but can I, can I change how I respond to it and how I kind of navigate? So that's, I guess, where the hope comes from. I don't even think it's a yes or no, but I'm hopeful that we can start to begin to not allow it to be so traumatizing. I love that I can change the world I can't change the world but I can change how I respond to it because it's making me think about when you do do that work how you impact those who are around you because I always tell my clients you may have a friend that's struggling but if you start to make change you impact your friends and it's so beautiful when they come back and they're like yeah my friend such and such is doing x y and thing and I never thought they do that and I was like I told you so Right. And like, even like just on a friendship level, it can also be on a family level, like nieces, nephews, cousins, your own yeah. kids. When they see you navigating life in a particular way, you're modeling. And ultimately, when you model, that's when you start to make the change because they, they start to see, okay, maybe I could do things that way too. Yes. Agreed. Very yeah. much. Well, we always ask our guests if they have any takeaways for our listeners. Do you have anything that you'd like to share? Um, I would just say to all the listeners out there to stay curious, to be brave and taking those first steps to take your power back requires an investment in yourself. So I know in the beginning, you guys had mentioned something I said about investing is in your mental health is the ultimate act of self-love. There's nothing more that you can give to yourself in taking care of your mind, body, and soul. Because when you're healing yourself, you are healing the future generations, you're healing your legacies. And my hope and my goal with the work that we that I do and even being on this platform um, is to plant the mustard seeds so that you recognize that it is safe to go and talk to a mental health professional. It is safe to start having these conversations and that when it is time for you to go, that you don't have this negative view of therapy, that you recognize that it is for all of us and it's necessary. So, yes. And you are accepting clients. So I y'all hear that? Located yes. in California. Yes, yes. You guys can find me the best places on Instagram at Melanated Therapist. 
Well, thank you so much, Janine, for joining us today. Um, yeah, this is a, a really important uh, episode. And I think that the listeners and we have gotten a lot out of it. So thank you so much, both of you for having me. It was it was great. Of course.